in store I don't know all the details I don't know all the facts but I do know this I know God loves you and I know that it's his love that leads you into victory it's his love that's going to cause you to be more than a conqueror it's his love that's going to drive out fear it's his love that's going to drive out worry it's his love that's going to drive out shame he loves you and it's his love towards us that transforms us and causes us to be the the people that he created us to be Amen. Amen. Okay. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, it's it's the love of God that allows us to be who He created us to be. I mean, you know, when, when we're afraid, we are not the best version of ourselves. When we're in a state of fear. Um it, when, when, when that love drives fear out of us, which is what love does, that's when uh, your true self arises and the person that God created you to be. And, you know, we, we've been taking a look at, you know, how to navigate 2021 and, and the way to go about doing things and the way to move forward. And, you know, I don't believe it's going to be a year without challenges, okay? I do think there's going to be a lot of challenges this year, but... I do believe it's a year where we run towards the giant. We don't run away, we run towards it. <clears throat> because, um, you know, we've been taking a look at it, and Caleb was one of the ones that, that went into the promised land, and the Lord spoke about Caleb and said that he, he has a different spirit. And um, there was something different about Caleb. There was something unusual about Caleb. 
And, you know, I was thinking about this from a typology perspective because Joshua, of course, uh, means Jesus. It's the word for uh, salvation, Yeshua, Joshua. But then you look at Caleb's name and you think, what? what? And Caleb's name means dog. You know, and it's like, I'm like, how in the world do we draw um, a typology with that? Like this brother, he does not have a cool name at all, you know. And, uh, but then I started really thinking about it. And, you know, there are 12 spies that went into the land. Ten spies brought back an evil report. Two spies brought back a good report or an accurate report or a true report. And the number 10, of course, can represent uh, the law. It can represent legalism. It can represent condemnation. It can represent uh, not being good enough or strong enough. I mean, you know, 10 of those spies did not think that God delighted in them. And as a result of them thinking that God did not delight in them, they thought they had to fight the giants in their own strength. How many know that you're not called to fight any of your battles in your own strength? The Lord's the one that fights the battle for you. Amen? God's not asking you to be strong in 2021. He's asking you to trust in His strength. How many know when David fought Goliath, he didn't fight Goliath based on his strength. He fought Goliath based on the Lord's strength, right? And so 10 of the spies said, look, the giants are too big. Uh, the, this, is a, this is a land that devours up its inhabitants. Uh, we can't do it. They're too strong for us. Now, Joshua and Caleb never said there weren't giants. They never said that there weren't challenges. But they had a different perspective. They said, if the Lord delight in us, then the giants will become our bread. The adversity will actually feed us, right? And Caleb, meaning dog, how many know that under the Jewish culture, that they referred to the Gentiles as dogs. They did. If you look at the Jewish culture, they referred to the Gentiles as dogs. And so it started dawning on me really what was going on because how many know that, that Jesus is the one that takes us into the promised land, right? Right? And, and so the word Gentile, meaning Dog, how many know that there were only two people that Jesus referred to in the Gospels that had great faith? And both of them were dogs. <laughs> they were both Gentiles. They were both Gentiles. Seriously, the, the Syrophoenician woman and the, uh, the centurion, both of them were Gentiles. What did that mean? That means they did not have a legalistic perspective on who Jesus was. They did not have a bunch of disqualifications for their ability to receive. They looked at Jesus and they just saw grace and truth and great faith arose on the inside of them. And how many of they partook of the promised land? Amen? So Jesus and the Gentiles, which sounds like a band for some reason. <laughs> it's like Jesus and the Gentiles, praise God. <laughs> have great faith and occupy the promised land. Now, how many know God wants to bring everybody in? But, but so many of us, we've been taught how to disqualify ourselves from entering in. We've been taught how to disqualify ourselves. How many know all the promises in Him are yes and amen? How many know there's no one in this room any better than anybody else? There's no one in this room any better than anybody else. There's no one in this room that has more of a right to God than anyone else. Can I get an amen? But, and so... What Jesus does is He removes all the disqualifications and he, and he says to people like you know people like myself, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, no good human being, and the Lord came to me and saved me. 
Not because I was worthy, not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, but I saw Him and His magnificent salvation and love, and as a result, I received the outstretched hand of His salvation. He pulled me out of darkness into His marvelous light. How many know all the promises work the same way you got saved? How many know you don't earn any of them? How many know Joshua and Caleb weren't more deserving of the promises than the other ten spies? But they just recognized, hey man, the Lord delights in us. He's going to give us the land. He's going to do it for us. He's going to fight the battles for us. And so as a result of that, Caleb had this perspective that the giants, their defense has left them, and they have become bread for us. So I'm here to tell you, 2021, I'm not telling you it's going to be an easy year, but I'm saying that God will be with you this year. And He will walk with you, and His love will lead you to conquer whatever adversity is standing against you. I mean, we don't have physical giants today, but how many of y'all, anybody in here have any problems? Anybody in here got something you need God to help you with? Well, He will help you. He will help you. But here's your part. Your part is to believe that the Lord delights in you. How do you believe the Lord delights in you? Well, you believe, A, that God found value in you when you were still a sinner. You know, when I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, and I used to, you know, I used to get drunk and cuss at God... How I many you know God loved me just as much then as He does now that I'm standing in front of this pulpit? God doesn't love me more because I'm now serving Him than when I wasn't serving Him. How I many know His love is the same? Amen. But, but now um, I recognize that His love was towards all people, and now we recognize the cross was a success. And how I many know if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're forgiven today? Can I get an amen? You're not going to get in the promised land based upon your perfect behavior. The ten can't bring you in. It's got to be Jesus and the Gentiles. It's got to be, it's got to be the Savior. How I many you know Jesus is the one that has come to bring you rest? Jesus is the one that's come to bring you to the promised land. I mean, you know, He's going to do it because He loves you. Can I get an amen? All you got to do is believe. That's your only part is to believe. And so the year will not be void of giants. The year won't be void of adversities, but we got to change our attitude and we got to recognize that God is with us and God is for us. And these, how I many you know adversity will develop something in you? That's really important to understand. How I many you know we can have a bad attitude towards adversity? How I many you know 10 of them did? They said, the Lord doesn't delight in us and there's no way we can take the land. How I many you know they didn't go? How I many know the land was theirs? But they didn't go. And Caleb got a hold of this so strong that he didn't just go into the land. He said, I want the land. I want Hebron. I want the mountain with all the giants on it. He got addicted to killing giants. He got addicted to fighting with the Lord. He got addicted to overcoming. Because he said, look, this God, He delights in me. It doesn't mean there's going to be an absence of challenges, but it means when I stand in that challenge, I'm not standing alone. The Lord is with me. How many know you got to change your attitude? How many know you recognize God didn't bring the giant? God didn't bring the battle. God didn't bring the challenge. How many know we got to rightly divide light and darkness? But whenever you take a stand against, how many know the Lord will be with you and He will give you the victory? And on the other side of a slayed giant, you're a different person. You are not the person you were before. You are, you, you, you've come out, you've molten out in a greater version of who God has created you to be. Y'all tracking me here? You know, the reason that David ran towards Goliath and did not run away from Goliath is how many know David's name means beloved? David knew God loved him. How many of his brothers didn't love him? 
They disrespected him. How I many of his dad didn't love him? What do you mean his dad didn't love Jeremiah? When the prophet came to town, they didn't even invite David to come. They looked down on David. See, you don't need people around you to love you for God's love to cause you to be victorious. You don't need people's approval. You don't need their good opinion. Now, thank God for when you have it. Thank God for camaraderie. But you know what's really going to feed you more than anything else is going to feed you? It's God's love for you personally. And because David knew that the Lord loved him, he ran towards his giant. He slayed his giant. And on the other side of that, I mean, he had tremendous uh, promotion. So it's a year of slaying giants. It's a year of overcoming. It's a year of winning. Amen? Uh, but, but, but there's going to be adversity, okay? Now, um, and I, I said this before, but when I say this again, God's not asking you to be strong in your own strength. That's really important. God's not asking you to be strong. He's asking you to trust that He will be strong for you. That's all He's asking you to do. You know, you're not the author of your own salvation. You don't save yourself. I can do all things. No, you can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are sheep. <laughs> we get saved. We get rescued. Are you tracking me here? So don't feel like, you know, you may be like, man, I don't find any giants, man. I just barely made it through 2020. You know, I don't feel like, now listen, you're not doing it by yourself. You don't have to be strong. The Lord will be strong for you. Can you get an amen? All He needs you to do is to consent to His salvation, and He will overwhelm you and flood you with strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. And you, actually, you don't even really have to turn there because that's a little bit of review. Turn to James, please. James chapter 1. But I want to read this to you. And this is Paul dealing with weakness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is not made perfect in our strength. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, okay? He's not afraid of your weakness. He's not ashamed of your weakness. He's not, a, he's not ashamed of your failing. He's saying, in the place where you're weak, I'll come in and make you strong. Because how many you know any giant we conquer this year is going to be through the Lord's strength and not our own? Right? And then Paul, getting a hold of this and understanding this, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in. Now, this is an odd statement. And I've talked about it before, but Paul started realizing that when I'm fighting something stronger than me, that's when the Lord shows up. See, if you can handle it, then God don't need to show up. But the more you grow in the Lord, the more you realize you can't handle anything. <laughs> like nothing. That's wisdom. The more you understand that you, that you can't do it, how I many know whatever you acknowledge the Lord in, He'll help you with? Whatever, you, whatever it is, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. But how I many know if you don't acknowledge Him, invite Him to be a part of it, He'll let you do it on your own. I have found that I need God for everything. I need God for everything. I need God on how to be a father. I need God on how to be a husband. I need God on how to be a minister. I need God on how to tie my shoes. Sure, I mean, I need Him for everything. And see, if you'll learn how to not hide your weakness, but open your weakness to the Lord, 
and know that He's not ashamed of you or looking down on you. In fact, it's your weakness that makes you attractive to the Lord. It's your weakness that wants Him to draw near and give you strength. How many know it's the pride of man that frustrates grace, not the weakness of man? And you know what humility is? Humility is just reality. Pride is delusion. When you think you're awesome and you're amazing and you don't need anything and you don't need anybody, you have a complete veil over your face. And life will teach you that you're wrong through a series of hard knocks. Humility is reality. It's seeing things as they truly are. You need the Lord. See, you were designed to need the Lord. You were created to need the Lord. You were, not, you were created with a piece of you like missing. There's a God-sized hole on the inside of you. You need God's help in everything, right? And the wiser we become, the more we recognize that humility is not weakness. Humility is wisdom because it invites the Lord into my place. See, you see the Lord's salvation in your weakness, not in your strength. How many of Saul tried to get David to be strong? Saul said, here, take my armor. Here, take my sword. Fight like a soldier. How many of David didn't come to fight like a soldier? David came to fight like a son. Amen. And then when he put on the worldly strength, he said, I've not tested these. I can't do this. Just give me five smooth stones. Number of grace. Let me take my, my staff. Let me take my sling. Let me take my God. Because that's what I really need. Are you tracking me here? David didn't stand in his own strength. He stood in the Lord's strength. And so Paul began to realize this. He says, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses. Put that on your Facebook, right? Hey, you know what? What, I, what, I'm, what, am I, what am I interested in? Infirmity, reproach, need, persecution, and distress. You'd be like, that, dude, that person's weird. <laughs> and it is a strange, it's an unusual way to look at things. But here's the thing, folks. Anything all of us face this year is not going to be greater than God. And God wants to help you with it. But don't run from your giant. Your giant is bread. Your adversity is bread. Your problem will feed you, will develop you. we got to have that attitude. We can't have this attitude of hide under a rock. We just can't, okay? It's not the kingdom. You can't run. You, You can, but the more you run and the more you hide and the more you distance yourself from your giant, the more aware you are, or really what ends up happening is, is you, we're not trusting that God is with us. How many of you know 10 didn't want to go into the promised land? You know why? They were scared. Not because the giants were so big or the people were so strong. They just didn't think God was with them. That's offensive to the cross. How many of you know if your God was willing to die for you and He was willing to lay down His life for you, how many of He's going to be with you? Can't get an Amen. He's going to be with you. He's going to walk you through this, okay? And so Paul here is saying, I took pleasure in these things because I realized, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. Did y'all hear that? When I'm weak, then I am strong. Number one, here, God's not asking you to be strong this year. God's asking you to trust in His strength. Amen. And let's run toward the giant. Amen. Let's take its head off. Let's get promoted. Let, 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 let's grow. Amen? We're not called to be afraid. We're not called to be fearful. We're called. Now listen, once again, not done in your own strength. It's the love of God that gives you the victory. Amen? Knowing that God loves you. Amen? See, your sin and your mistakes 
and your lawless deeds aren't more powerful than the cross. Your sin and your mistakes and your your lawless deeds are not more powerful than the cross. So you know what that means? That means God loves you and you're forgiven. Can I get an amen? So you'll never realize the love of God until you realize the power of the cross. Until you understand that you've been totally forgiven. You know, not partially forgiven, not incrementally forgiven. You've been forgiven based on a new birth. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Sin does not have the ability to attach itself to you. Can I get an amen? Your spirit is sealed. Amen? Okay. Now, James chapter 1. This is where I really want to go because the, as I was just in, the, in prayer before the Lord about this year, He just spoke in, in my heart the book of James. And I really think the book of James is going to be a roadmap on how to handle this year. How um, I many you know the book of James were, were written to people who were tremendously persecuted? They were persecuted. They were scattered. When persecution hits, people scatter. And when, and when you're alone, how I many know that you're not called to be alone? I'm going to say that like 10 more times. You're not called to be alone. 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 You need the body of Christ. A predator is most effective when he can separate the prey from the flock. When the prey is separated from the flock and when they're alone, that's when the predator preys upon the prey. Amen. But So you, you're not called to be alone. You need people in your life. You don't need to be isolated. But during times of persecution, people scatter, and then when people get alone, that's when they get weak. They, they listen to the voice of the enemy, whether they realize it or not. They start listening to the voices of depression and oppression and all of these things, and they feel like they're not good enough, and they feel like they're not worthy. You need the flock. You need the, the, the strange and varied and unusual flock of Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're all different. We're all unusual. Sometimes we're cool. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're in the Spirit. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we say dumb stuff. Sometimes we do dumb stuff. But how many know we're brothers and sisters in the Lord and we need each other? Can I get an amen? I just feel like the division between all the different you know, denominations and divisions, and it's going to... That the beauty of it is it has the ability to melt away in the midst of persecution. How I many you know when you have a common enemy, you stop squabbling amongst each other so much? And, and we need that in the body of Christ. We need that in the Church of America. We've had it so easy for so long, we don't even know what real persecution looks like. And then you have other places in the world where they have these strong underground churches because they, they, don't, they, they can't afford to split into a denomination because they'll die. They can't, they, can't, they, can't, they can't afford to have you know, a disagreement about whether we baptize in the name of Jesus or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They can't afford that because they need each other because if they don't have each other, then they'll, be, then they'll die. And so the beauty of persecution... Now initially there's a scattering, which we see happen in the book of James, but if we'll hold fast, we eventually start to unite because how many know that you're on the same team with other believers? Can I get an amen? Now, even the people that are persecuting us and coming against us... How I many you know God loves those people and wants to save all of them? Can I get an amen? So we don't war against flesh and blood. Amen. That's a really important thing to remember. So anyway, book of James here, talking about uh, the scattering, right? Talking about, so we'll pick it up here. In James chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, James, a bondservant of God 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Now, I want to begin this, I want to expound on this Greek word called hupomone, because uh, it's going to be a real important thing that God wants to develop in your life this year. <clears throat> he says, he makes a very interesting statement. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, let's stop here for a moment. I don't know about most of you guys, but I'm not excited about trouble. I'm not excited about giants. In fact, what happens to us a lot of times is we get addicted to comfort. If there's anything quarantine taught me, I, I will wear comfortable clothes. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you know, I, I don't, good or bad, I like my days of not wearing comfortable clothes around the house are over. I'm like Mr. Rogers. As soon as I come in, I got some nice little pajama pants and I'm <laughs> put on my little, you know what I'm saying? Like, we like comfort. We like to be comfortable. And, there, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But here, he says, I count it all joy when I see trouble on the horizon. Now, why in the world would you do that? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, this is how you count it joy, is you know something. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And that's that word hupomone, patience. It means more than just patience, and we're going to look at it in the Greek here in just a minute. But it says, but let patience, this word hupomone, have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Now, how many of y'all think that's a pretty good goal right there? Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Does that sound good? Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. <clears throat> perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Now, that is going to, God wants that for you, but there is a development. Everybody say development. There is a development that's going to happen to you in trials that you can't get any other way. The testing of your faith, right? The development. Like right now, I got a three-year-old, got a 15-year-old, but got a three-year-old. And I mean, this is just a good analogy. How many know my three-year-old, my three-year-old's already made the statement that he's going to be bigger than anybody else in the house. So he's going to be bigger than his brother. He's going to be bigger than daddy. He's going to be the biggest, right? That's, that's in his mind, you know? He's three, but like, he's like a three-year-old Napoleon or something. You know, he's just going to conquer the world, right? And that's a great quality, and we want to encourage that. But how many know that he has the same muscles that I have and Ethan has? Same exact muscles. But how many know his muscles aren't going to grow unless they have adversity? Adversity is going to help them grow. He's got to feed, and he's got to have adversity in order for that development to happen. How many know that development can't happen without adversity? Now listen, none of us get excited about adversity because we all like comfort. We've established that. But I just want to show you, <clears throat> this year, there's going to be adversity whether you like it or not. There's going to be challenges whether you like it or not. But if you take the right attitude you'll grow and develop. And you'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. How many of you know if you take the wrong attitude, the giants are still going to be there? But you won't be developing, you'll be running. And how many of you know we don't run today like they ran in their day? 
You know how we run? We run through escapism. We run to entertainment, movies, books, video games, social media, food, sleep, God forbid, drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, all different forms of escapism because we don't want to fight the battle. But I'm telling you, if you stick your head in the sand, it doesn't remove Goliath. Once, once again, God's not asking you to be strong. He's asking you to trust that He will be strong for you. How many of you that's a game changer right there? David did not have the strength to defeat Goliath in his own ability. But how many you know the Lord and David together had the ability to defeat Goliath? So there's adversity and there's development for you. Now this word hupomone, let's take a look at it. It means a patient <clears throat> enduring. Endurance, steadfastness. Properly remaining under. Endurance, steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain under the challenge. So this patience is an enduring. It's a perseverance. You ever prayed and God immediately changed something? And it's awesome. But have you ever prayed and nothing changed? And you changed instead of the circumstance? Both of those are answered prayers. See, we don't, we don't, a lot of times we, we don't want development. We want microwave miracle. Give me the microwave miracle. God, send me the money. <laughs> you know, God, you know, bring immediate healing. You know, God, change this person, change my child, change my grandchild, all these things. Uh, Hupamone is where I am patient and persevering when nothing is changing. And I'm faithful, and I'm consistent, and I walk through the valley. See, you're not called to camp in the valley and build a house in the valley and live in the valley. That's called depression. you got to allow hope to arise in your heart, and you got to put one foot in front of the other, and you got to recognize, A, God loves you, B, God has a plan for your life. And you got to keep moving forward, because if you don't keep moving forward, then you're not going to get to your destination. And we can grow so comfortable in hopelessness, it can almost be a numbness that where hope becomes painful. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Someone, someone who dies with hypothermia, the cold eventually becomes comfortable to them and they lay down in it and die. Hopelessness can become a comfortably numb situation. But I'm here to tell you, you're not called to die in the valley. How many of you know the valley is a season? It's a period of time. How many of you know the storm is a season? How many of you know no storm lasts forever? No battle lasts forever. Hope keeps you putting one foot in front of the other and walking until you get through the valley and you go to the other side and you win. Can I get an amen? Uh, you know, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> preach this Pollyanna concept of this super easy year, but I'm telling you that your God's bigger than your challenges. And if you'll trust Him, you'll, you'll come out and develop. You know, I can look in my past, and I've went through some stuff in my life that I hated. You know, when we, when we stepped out into full-time ministry, 
You know, we stepped into full-time ministry. We quit our jobs and stepped out into full-time ministry with no check, no payroll, nothing. And we spent about a year with no, no paycheck. And it was very difficult. And right after that, my wife got pregnant. I mean, you know, that's a lot of pressure on somebody. I mean, it really is. It's a whole lot of pressure. And, and I did okay through the daytime, but then at night, man, when I'd go to the bathroom, there'd be 35 devils meeting me, you know, just, just attacking my mind, right? And I, it wasn't a fun season, but here's the thing. We never missed a rent payment. The only thing we had cut off was a cell phone, and, then, and it was cut off for a short period of time, and we, and we got it put back on. I testify to the faithfulness of God to provide for my family when I did what He told me to do. And that's the, that's the key. He told me to do that. And if he tells you to do it, then he'll provide, right? But you know what? Now, 20 years later, however long later, I'm now thankful because now I know the Lord's my provider. I know it. Why? Because, because I've been developed in that area. He's, he's shown himself faithful. So, like, I don't care. I don't put my trust in the government. I don't put my trust in the American dollar. I don't put my trust. I put my trust in Jesus Christ. And because of that, the hell that I've went through in the past, I know that His faithfulness will carry me through in the future. Are y'all tracking me here? And so I'm not, I'm not excited about that, but you know what? It developed something in my life. I can trust the Lord in that area. Are y'all, y'all tracking me here? What I'm showing you, <clears throat> you know, when, when David stood before Goliath, he had already defeated the lion and the bear. He already had battles where he saw the Lord give him the victory. Everybody in here, you've seen God move in your life. Yes, you have. And you've got to rehearse those victories. Now, we've all had times where we jumped and nobody caught us. And that's a part of living on earth. But don't lose your trust in the Lord just because things didn't work the way you thought they should work. Real trust is not everything works perfectly for you. I mean, no, real trust is tried and tested and revealed during the time of trial. Amen. Not stuff we're excited about, but true nonetheless. Um, so we want to develop this type of patience, this type of endurance, this hupomone, and we want to, we want to be able to develop it in our life. Amen. Um, and I turn to Romans chapter 5, and I just want to read through this real quick. Connie actually read this passage of Scripture last week, and it's exactly where we're, where we're going here. But, but hold your place in James and flip over to, to Romans, because I just want to talk about this, this patience real quick. <clears throat> because every battle isn't won overnight. You know? and, and there are some battles that, that take time. And, and, and you, we need this patience in the midst of trial so that we don't lose our trust in God when all hell's breaking loose around us. Amen. I mean, you know, a faith that, 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 that leaves in just a moment of, of persecution or trial isn't a real enduring faith. Are y'all tracking me here? And, 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 and it just happens through relationship. You know, and I used this example last week, but if I tell my 15 year old, hey man, <clears throat> we're going to go to the mall today and we'll, you know, get you some clothes or something like that. You know, or, or not today. If I say we're going to go to the mall and what we're going to get, he, he needed an Under Armour shirt for, for basketball, right? And I say, hey, we'll take you and we'll get that. We'll get that done. Now, he knows because I've said it, it's going to happen. It may not, he doesn't know when it's going to happen, but he knows it's going to happen. My three year old, if we mention the word ice cream, it must be here now. 
And if it's not here now, I will throw fit. <laughs> How many know my three-year-old's development of trust is not as high as my 15-year-old's level of trust? My 15-year-old's had 15 years to do time with dad, so he knows if dad says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. My three-year-old, everything is now. So we can't say certain things around him because he needs it now. But how many know as he grows older, he will develop the ability to trust my words even when things aren't happening the way that he thinks that they should happen? How many know that's just relationship? And that's really all God wants from us is relationship. And, and your faith is tested and developed during times of trial, during times of challenge. <clears throat> and so anyway, Romans 5 Verse 1 here, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Now, here comes this weird concept of glory and counting it joy when trouble comes. And if you look at what the, that word glory means, it means head up high. When the trouble comes, don't hang your head low. Don't think the reason it's coming is because you're somehow not loved by God. Or there's something wrong with you or you've made too many mistakes. No, when the trouble comes, keep your head up. Can't get an amen. Hold your head up. Not only so, but when we also glory held, head held up high in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces, here's that word, Patience, hupomone, perseverance. So, tribulation comes, I have an opportunity for development, right? Development. And, and, and perseverance, character, and then character, hope. So here's a cycle, right? There we are, standing in the grace of God, standing in the love of God. Here comes trouble. I glory in this, I boast in this, because I know I'm about to develop. I'm going to know that this giant is about to become bread for me in my house. Come on. <clears throat> and it will produce perseverance, patience, and then character. Now here's the thing. How many know everything that you are is already inside of you in Christ Jesus? <clears throat> You're not trying to be more right with God. You're not trying to be more of anything. But how many know that trial will help reveal who Christ is on the inside of you? Yeah. Are y'all tracking me here? Your character is already solid. It's already sealed. Just like my three-year-old, he has all the muscles that my 15-year-old does, but he's going to have to have some adversity in order for those things to come forth. Are y'all tracking me here? And I hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. And so we're looking to develop this year and to run straight head on towards the giants and, and, and by the love of God and by the strength of God, take these giants out. And, and these giants may be different things for different people. For some people, it may be oppression and depression. For somebody else, it may be drug addiction. For somebody else, it may be uh, a sexual addiction. <clears throat> For somebody else, it may be anger issues. For somebody else, it may be strife issues. It may be uh, uh, legal issues. It may be um, uh, financial issues, health of your body issues. Just issues, right? Fear. A lot of different giants. But I'm here to tell you that your God 
wants to stand with you and slay the giant together with you. Now, let's turn back to James and let's continue. My my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. How many know a part of you taking out your giant is wisdom? It's God showing you this is the way to do it. Amen? How many know that a, a, a part of navigating 2021 is wisdom? How many know we can't do it in our own strength? You know, the governments of the world have proven they have no idea what's going on. I mean, if there's anything that we've learned, it's that these guys don't know what's up. That Hollywood doesn't know what's up. Nobody knows what's up. You know who knows what's up? God does. And that's the person you need to listen to. So, in order to navigate, we're going to have to have wisdom, right? But it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So so this passage right here can seem pretty harsh. But let me lay it out to you in a relationship format. Let him ask in faith. How many know when when I ask... Here's the thing. How many know anybody can ask God for wisdom? Like, the Bible says he gives it out liberally. God says all all you got to do is... Now, here's the thing. When you ask, can we turn that fan off, please? Thank you. When you ask, it may not come right then. In fact, in my experience, 99.9% of the time, it doesn't come right then. But it's coming. It may come out of a preacher's mouth. It may come directly out of the Scripture. It may come out of your wife's mouth. It may come out of your husband's mouth. It may come out of your child's mouth. It may come out of your boss's mouth, your co-worker's mouth, but it's coming. Or God may speak it to you in a still, small voice. God may give you a dream. God may give you a vision. Who knows? God speaks all different kinds of ways. But it's coming. But don't doubt that it's coming. Because if you doubt that it's coming, what you're saying is God's not good. That's the issue. And that's why it's a problem. Because we're doubting God's character is on trial pretty much all the time. The enemy is always trying to convince God's people that God's not good. Always. God really loved you, you wouldn't went through what you went through. God really loved you, you wouldn't have this going on in your life. Who's on, who's on trial? The Lord is. Always. Same thing with Adam and Eve. When the enemy came and tempted them. You see, God knows when you eat that, you're going to be like Him. There's always this question mark in the back of your mind that God's not good. And that God's not as good as He says He is, or as good as Jeremiah says He is, or somebody else says He is. The Faith is simply, that attack of faith is an attack on the character of God. Because I don't think there's any believer who would think that there's something on this planet that's more powerful than God. The question is, is... Is it is God going to help me? It's not is he too strong? Is it stronger than him? The question is, is he going to help me? 
And what answers that question is the cross. The cross says, yes, God will help you, and, and you've received an eternal forgiveness, and God, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So when you ask for, because you're in the days ahead, you're going to need wisdom. How many know you need wisdom on, on, with people? That might be the, one of the greatest areas of wisdom. Wisdom on how to, you know, the way that we raise our 15-year-old is not the way we raise our 3-year-old. They're different. They need, we need wisdom on how to raise children. Amen? Wisdom on, 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 on everything, right? But God's got it all, man. And so treasure wisdom. Seek after it. That, that means Scripture. That means listening to, to, to preaching. That means uh, drawing near to the Lord. That means asking God for wisdom. But trust, because here's the thing. Here's the real issue. No one loves you like God loves you. Nobody. You don't love you as much as God loves you. Your spouse doesn't love you as much as God loves you. Your children don't love you as much as God loves you. No one loves you more than God does. So just because you don't get the answer in a, in a week, in a month, even in a, you know, a year, just relax and trust the Lord. How many know, we, he, how many know He's greater than us? Amen. And, and there's an element of trust that comes into this relationship. And I bring out this analogy all the time. But when I have to, when I have to take our toddler and change his diaper, in his mind, I am ruining his fun. Like, in his mind, he's like, what is wrong with you? I'm trying to play this game. I don't need no diaper change. Just, you know. And so, and how many know, I don't have the ability to convey to him scientifically what it will do to his rear end if poop stays on it. Like, I can't sit down and say, well, listen, okay, this, this happens to your skin, and blah, 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 blah. He's got to trust me that I have his best interest at heart. Because I can't convey to him as an adult how important it is for him to change his diaper. Do you think there are issues in our lives that God can't convey to these little minds? And so he's like, I know it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. I know this didn't work out the way you thought it was going to, but listen, I love you. And trust me. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. That's, that's, how, we, that's how we grow, man. And, um, and, and we don't tolerate things that come against the promises of God. We take a stand for the promises of God. But we have to, we have to trust that God's good even when bad things happen. Okay? Amen. And so, once again, this is a roadmap on how to handle 2021, how to handle persecution. And so then he switches gears and starts seeming to talk about the most unrelated subject. And how many know nothing in Scripture is in there by accident? <clears throat> he says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass... Its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. So here he is talking about persecution, talking about wisdom, talking about believing God, and then he starts talking about rich people. It's like, what? And as I went to the Lord in prayer, ahead of this, I, I, I realized what the Lord was saying. Most of the time, when you're being persecuted, it's by someone that has wealth. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about on a, on, a, on, a, on a personal level. I'm talking about 
you know, I mean, there's an element of persecution that's possible through the government. (laughs) And how many know that they got lots of money? Right? And so what, and and I'm not trying to down our government or anything like that, but I'm I'm just saying that what he's bringing into context is this person may seem high and mighty, but they're like the flower of grass that fades. What the Lord's doing is He's putting everything in perspective. Because we live in a world where we, oh, that person, you know, Bill Gates, he's got all this money, and, you know, and Elon Musk, he's all power, he's all, you know, got all this money, and Jeff Bezos, and this actress, and that actress. When God looks at those people, He's like, He doesn't, He does not esteem them as greater or higher than us. And He looks at them, and, you know, God's not impressed with money. How I many of you ain't taking no money with you into the kingdom? When you get to heaven, you walk on it. God says, this is how I feel about gold. I pay my streets with it. But in the midst of persecution, you have to realize and understand the true perspective of things. Just because someone seems all-powerful in this world doesn't mean they're all-powerful. Can I get an amen? How many know when Jesus stood before Pilate and Pilate was trying to scare Jesus with his authority? Jesus is like, like, buddy, you have no idea who you're talking to. But he was not arrogant at all. He wasn't arrogant, but he was like, you know, and Pilate was like, don't you know that I, you know, you better talk to me. Don't you know I can release you? Jesus is like, I'm laying my life down. You're not killing me. Nobody's killing me. I could call 12 legions of angels right now because my kingdom's not of this world. And so this passage is bringing you back into perspective. Don't feel weak and lowly and small because your God is greater than all. You need to keep that perspective when persecution comes. Because God's not impressed with anybody's position. Amen? Amen. And then he starts talking about temptation, strangely enough. And and he goes on, he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when his desires conceive, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, why does He talk about temptation? Because here's the thing. In times of great persecution, temptation will knock on the door as a way of escape. It's like, man, things are hard, things are rough. I just need something to help me out. And here comes temptation saying, I'm your relief. Come over here. I'm your pleasure. I'm your your fulfillment. It is true, man. And as God began to lay this out to me, I started realizing. Because what can happen is, you can get tired of fighting the giant. You can get tired of taking your stand. You think, man, I just came through 2020. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? And so what I want to show you is, Temptation is not your relief. How many know that, and here's the thing, man, if you embrace temptation, and here's the thing, how many know as a believer you're forgiven? Can I get an amen? You're forgiven. You have a complete forgiveness. It's not going to be taken away from you, but how many know there are consequences for sin? Like, the, the cross doesn't change the consequences of sin, it changes the punishment of sin. There's no punishment for the believer anymore. All your sin's been taken care of on the cross. But how many know sin will punish you for sin? And, and if, we, if we allow temptation to be our escape, how many know it can kill things in our lives? 
How many know temptation can kill a marriage? How many know temptation uh, can, can kill a relationship between um, uh, you know, a mother and a child or a father and a child? How many know temptation can kill, kill somebody financially? You know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to you know, spend all their money on gambling maybe, trying to escape or whatever. And I just want to show you that during times of trial, temptation is going to be knocking at the door and it's going to say, I'm your relief. And I want you to shut the door and, and understand it's not your relief. Amen? It's not going to, it doesn't make things better, it makes things worse. Because after you take the temptation, you know what the enemy comes to do? He comes to condemn you. There you are fighting Goliath, and the last thing on earth you need is condemnation. <laughs> the last thing on earth you need is to think that God's not for you. See, the real reason the enemy brings the temptation is not just to tempt you and get you to sin. It's so that he can give a voice for condemnation in your life. Guilt, shame. See, and another thing, it also guilt and shame helps separate us from the body of Christ. Because what ends up happening is we don't feel worthy, we don't feel good enough to be around people, we, don't, we, we feel like we're dirty and there's something wrong with us. Listen folks, there ain't nobody in this room that's perfect and there ain't nobody that's watching that's perfect. The only one that's perfect is Jesus Christ. And He has given us an eternal forgiveness. But I'm here to tell you right now, in times of persecution, temptation's coming. Shut the door. Amen. Not by your own strength, but by the grace of God. Temptation is not your relief. Amen. Isn't it funny how God had all this written 2,000 years ago and it's exactly what we're dealing with right now? I'm looking at this book in a totally different way. Okay, and then he goes on, he says, and he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's neither variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Here's the thing, As per, when persecution comes, <clears throat> when the challenges come, don't be deceived in this area. Listen to me, God's good. Don't doubt the goodness of God. Amen. How many know that is a part of the enemy's attack? When all hell's breaking loose, when things don't happen the way we want them to happen, the enemy wants you to doubt the goodness of God. Good things from, come from God, Bad things come from the devil. Don't be deceived. That's a really important point right there. We talk about that a lot. Now then the next thing is he starts talking about our mouths. <laughs> so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. How I many you know in the midst of persecution, in the midst of challenges, you might have an opportunity to get mad and run off at the mouth. Have we not seen more of that maybe this year than we've ever seen before these past two years? Like people, like people say stuff on social media that they would never say to someone face to face. And we've lost all sense, not we've, but there's a temptation to lose all sense of just respect for people. And people just want to say whatever they want to say. Don't get baited into angry speech. Don't get baited into throwing the law, a log on the fire of the offense that's running rampant in the earth. 
Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. The Spirit of God tells me more what not to say than what to say. I don't know about you guys. Certainly on social media. Because we'll be like, I won't say that right there. And God be like, no, you don't. And I'll be like, yes, I do. And he'll be like, no, you don't. I'll be like, you're right. <laughs> right? How many you know you're not called to be a part of the problem? Don't get caught up in the rage that's in the earth. Let me read that again. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get mad. How many you know if you're quick to get mad, you're not going to be spirit-led? If you are quick to anger, you're not going to be spirit-led. Because your emotion will be driving you, not the spirit leading you. How many you know it's glory for a man to overlook an offense? You know what real strength is? When somebody wrongs you, you don't feel like you get a wrong them back. That's not Hollywood's brand of strength. Hollywood says, hey, they shoot at you, you shoot at them. You know, Hollywood's brand, you know, they come at you, you come back at them. No, you know what real strength is? Real strength is being able to overlook a transgression and cover it in love. It is, man. It is. That's real masculinity right there. It really is, man. Um, so, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen? Now, how I many know there is a righteous indignation? Take a stand for truth. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm not telling you to be a do- not be a doormat. I'm just telling you how to handle yourself. We have just a couple more places and we'll be done here. And then it goes on to say, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. What is he talking about right here? Be careful with things that don't feed you. This goes back into escapism again. Be careful not to just feed on fodder. Be careful not to just feed on entertainment. Now, I'm not telling you not to enjoy entertainment. Enjoy entertainment. But don't let it become an escape from you when you should be building yourself up in the Lord and entering into His rest. Amen. How many know that when Goliath is screaming, when condemnation is screaming, when there's no peace and there's no rest and you're angry, how many know you need some time with the Lord, not another movie? I mean, that stuff, it's great, but it can't feed you, right? Okay. And then he goes on and says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a, a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, this, you know, this passage has been used for a lot of condemnation, but it's actually not. It's actually a passage about freedom and identity. And what it's basically saying is don't forget who you are. If your actions aren't lining up with who you are in Christ, you've just forgotten who you are. If you took the bait of temptation and you're living angry or you know, or giving in to temptation, you need to get back in the book and f- remember who you are. How I many of you are a child of God? You're not an angry person. How I many of you know you're a, you're a child of God? You're not a drug addict. How I many of you know you're a child of God? You're not uh, depressed. You're a child of God. You're not oppressed. You're a child of God. You're not addicted to anything. Can I get an amen? When our doing is off, we got to recalibrate and remember who we are. And how do you do that? You just look into the perfect law of liberty. You look into the gospel. 
when my actions aren't lining up with my identity, i got to go back to who I am in Christ. Amen? How I many that's what the prodigal son did when he came home? The father didn't correct his behavior. He said, let me remind you who you are. Here's your rope. Here's the ring. Here's the shoes. Throw a party. <laughs> that's, that's New Testament. <clears throat> God says, you forgot who you you forgot who you are. You out there eating pig slop? That's not who you are. Come on. You have more valuable value than that. Kill the fatted calf. Can I get an amen? That's how God rolls. It's what works. Nothing else works. <clears throat> Perfect law of liberty. And then he ends it and says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. He, how many know he comes back to your mouth? Right? So, in the midst of persecution, count it all joy. Development is happening. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Trust that He's going to bring you wisdom because He loves you. Don't get caught up looking at rich people. Don't get caught up being offended at what they... they how many know they, they're not the ones that have power? Your God has power. Don't give place to temptation when it comes and tries to be an outlet. <clears throat> Recognize that no matter what happens, that your God is good. Don't spend your days angry and running your mouth. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. And don't forget who you are. This, this, is, this is how we're going to navigate this year ahead. Amen? So much strength, so much power in these passages of scriptures. Amen? All right, awesome. We'll turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we'll continue worshiping the Lord in our giving. <clears throat> and I do want to make an announcement here. We are having a baby shower um, on Saturday. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a virtual baby shower. It's going to be a Zoom link. Uh, we announced it on our messaging group, but I just want to announce, if anybody wants to be a part of that, text me or message me. I will send you the link for that baby shower. It's going to be 10 a.m. next Saturday, and we're going to have our baby shower because Lily is coming. Can I get an amen? I'm finally going to get a little girl. Amen. I've been waiting like 15, 20 years, and I finally get a little girl, so we're excited about that, but I'm supposed to invite everybody to that baby shower, and it is a virtual one, so you can join in through Zoom if you need the link. Just message me and I'll, and I'll get that to you, whether that be Facebook or text, or you just want to ask me about it here in the church. But no, I don't think so. It's just going to be it's just going to be through Zoom, because uh, you know. So you're going to have to get on Zoom if you need help and you want to be. I will help you get on Zoom. It's just as easy as anything. It's really not that hard. Anyway, Philippians chapter four, verse fifteen, uh, talking about partnership here. Paul says, "Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia." No church partnered with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessity. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the thing sent from you, <clears throat> a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory." Um, in, in, in the kingdom, a part of what we do is partnership. We all help each other. And Paul here is talking about the people that helped him financially and that supported him financially. And we here at Grace Point Church just want to say thank you to everybody who helps us financially. Thank you online, everybody that gives into this ministry, and everybody that comes here, thank you. So we're, we're not stressed out. We're not doing bad. Uh, we're doing well by the grace of God. And it's because people have believed in what we're doing and have partnered with us in giving, and we just want to say thank you. And if, you, if you're giving online and you want to give uh, through the website, go to gracepointgeorgetown.com, and uh, you can give that way. So anyway, if you need to give an outlet this morning, we'll get one to you. 
Tim will get one to you. Praise God. Amen. I bet we have the longest-haired male usher in Scott County. What do y'all think? <laughs> Tim's hair is now longer than mine, I would say. You're, I got mine cut, and so you're next level, right? Amen. It's awesome. Father, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity to give. We ask you to bless this offering and bless this day in Jesus' name. Amen.